0: Welcome to 20 Not Something, the podcast for 20-somethings who haven't quite figured out what their something is yet. Each week, I'll be speaking to a different guest about their experiences of this messy decade to reassure you that everything turns out all right in the end. Because doing something in your 20s can actually mean doing anything that makes you happy. Today I am joined by ex-pro footballer and high-performance coach specialist Drew Broughton, also known as The Fear Coach. By the age of 20, Drew had already made some considerable steps in his footballing career. Part of the England under-20s, he was playing alongside the likes of Michael Owen and Rio Ferdinand, with a sponsorship from Adidas under his belt and a growing reputation. However, the intense pressure, soul-searching and fear that crept into Drew's professional and personal life led to some pretty turbulent years in his 20s. After a 17-year playing career and nearly 600 professional matches representing a host of clubs in the EFL, at 32, Drew retired from football and found himself divorced, bankrupt, living out of his car and in the midst of an emotional breakdown. He took himself to a sporting rehab clinic and began his healing process towards self-acceptance and understanding why his life panned out the way it did. Using his gift of emotional intelligence and sensitivity, since rehab, Drew has gone from strength to strength in the mentoring world. Having guided some of the nation's best footballers thanks to his own experiences, he now helps other athletes cope with the daily pressures of the footballing industry. As well as being an accomplished public speaker, podcaster, and publishing his own book, And Then What?, outlining how self-belief, ego, winning, and vulnerability are as applicable to life and to business as they are to football. Drew's 20s were, on the surface, a pretty rough ride, filled with anxiety, trepidation, and ultimately fear. I'm thrilled he could join us on the podcast today and hopefully unpack just what it is we are all so afraid of. Drew, welcome to 20 Not Something.
1: Thank you. What a powerful bio when I listen to that. I, I don't mean that from a place of arrogance. I just mean, wow, like, yeah. Especially when you go back to that period at the end of my career and, and the suffering that I, I went through during my career, but then that period straight after. Yeah, So it was a long yeah. time ago now.
0: Yeah. I mean, no, thank you so much for being here. And I I know that so many people are going to be able to relate to your story, not just athletes, but you know, yeah. people in general, it's so, it's so relatable. So no, thank you. Um, I normally kick these episodes off by asking everyone the same question. And I guess asking you, this might seem a little bit obvious, but looking into your twenties, what was the one thing that you wanted the most?
1: Um. Same thing as I always wanted, I think, from the age of eight, which is to fulfill to fulfil my potential. I think that's all I ever wanted, really, mm-hmm. to to, consistent, cons- to consistently fulfill my potential, which I knew would lead to success. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, was, it, it drove me every day. It, it was a noose around the neck. It was constantly like weights hanging on my shoulder. It was that constant search for, for fulfillment of potential.
0: Nice. And was that... Mm in relation to football, that potential?
1: it? I think so. Because football, there's a reason football, it's a global game and it's got, it's got such a magnetic power that I think, I mean, it's great that both sexes now are heavily involved, but for, for, for young boys, and I've seen it a lot actually in my work now, and speaking to friends who've got sons, and I've got a two-year-old son, there's something that happens. My, my friend's son that had nothing to do with football till he was six or seven. Mm. And he picked this ball up about, within six months he he just he's sleeping he's got his ball in his bed he's got his kit he knows all the players he's telling his dad and he's and I'm, I'm observing this now going what is that like what because I had the same mm. millions of boys it's a magnetic pull I don't know football's a very emotive game so yeah I think from the age of eight it was all about doing that There's was only one thing on my mind every day
0: yeah so talk to me about that time I mean obviously you were in the england under 20s sort of going into Mm. your decade being like okay this is this is what's happening i mean the amount of pressure that must you must have felt around you how did that change or were you aware at that time of just like what you were doing you know or what your future held i think i think
1: think the pressure was my own Mm. uh of course there's external pressure you've got to constantly perform and you're aware in that industry that and I guess this is, for the last three years, I've been company coach across three companies companies in the city, and they're high pressure sales environments. So it's relatable because you're constantly judged. Um, you 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 you're only as good as your last week or your last month or your last quarter. So it, there is that constant pressure. Football is a little different in that you're living it out publicly. One thing that people often don't think about when you, when you share is that it's not so much. The judgment of the people who watch you, or it's family mm. and friends. So my family and friends know every mistake I make. They they see it. They've got an opinion on it. They, of course, love me, so they care for me. So they're always trying to solve everything and protect. And <laughs> sometimes just too much. Like you finish a game, you turn your phone on. And it's like bing 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 bing, bing. Mm. If you've played well, it's bing 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 bing. If you haven't played well, it's bing 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 bing. All the text messages and it's oh, don't worry, keep your head up. It's just like, you know, yeah. I can imagine like your mum knowing, like, having an opinion and keep your head up. Like, you don't want to hear that sometimes. I'm like, yeah. mum, I don't need to hear about keeping my head up. I'm all right. You know, I just want to crack on.
0: Yeah, I guess that's, that's so interesting, isn't it? Because when I have a bad day at work or I screw up or something, it's like I only have myself to answer to, right? Like, my right. parents don't know about that. My best <laughs> friends don't know. But yeah, you're so right. Like in football, it's it's for everyone to see and for everyone to have an opinion of. And that must just be so hard to to reassure yourself that you are doing okay, you know?
1: Yeah. And and of course, what do people want to do that care about you? They want to fix things. And, mm. and you, you know, <laughs> you, when you're in it, you don't want anything fixing. You just want to be out of talk in a safe space, not be judged. Yeah. And, and I, I never found a space like that. I had psychologists, which I worked with, um, that helped, but mm. you, you know, um, so yeah, it's a, it's a passion. It was a, it was an obsession. It still is. Football is. It's uh so, um, yeah, yeah, it's just, I, I realise I have tools today and I give the tools back to the, to the players I work with.
0: Mm. So I guess you said that you spoke to psychologists at the time um, Mm. and you've, and you've mentioned sort of, you know, the whole reason that you are such a good coach now is because you have this emotional intelligence and this empathy. Mm. Um, And, you know, as a player, you felt that quite highly um, potentially to your detriment because, you know, it was hard to sort of understand those feelings. But I think there's a difference between being, emotionally intelligent and then being able to accurately portray those feelings if that makes sense so you know being honest about how you feel um do you think that at the time you were doing that throughout your career or or did you still struggle to even though you were there emotionally struggle to portray those feelings
1: no I I I was so open in fact you know I think at times I probably looking back was, and I say this in the nicest possible way, because I understand my power today and I, I'm rubbish at loads of things, but I'm really good at a couple of things. And I think I'd sit with psychologists and sometimes coming out of those rooms, looking back, I was probably the energy I had was probably too powerful for them. Mm. I, th- I say that in a, in a nice, but I think they studied and they had a passion for psychology, but I wasn't bringing that. I was bringing immense power and, and, openness and a very powerful spirit so i think i needed identification more than you, you know i needed someone to sit there and go haha okay i understand mm. you know I, I feel exactly the same oh really i never had that it was all solutions and solutions and, um so yeah uh um yeah it was it, i've realized like i say in the last 10 years i am very emotionally intelligent i mean my brother was intellectually very intelligent uh, he was He'd find maths and science like a doddle, A -A stars. I struggled at school. I was okay at school, B's and C's. It was hard work to get an A. I got one A. Um, But in fact, I think if I'd have been measured emotionally, I'd have been up here. Well, you don't know that. And it took to 35 to realise that, you Mm.
0: know. Mm. (laughs) But that's what's interesting about the game of football, isn't it? Because it is, you know... You love it. I've I've played for years as well. I love it as well. But I think you're right, there is um especially in the the premiership and the championship, like there's it's it's still very traditional in the sense of where it started. And I mean you've said before that like that level of empathy, especially with coaches, that dynamic just isn't there yet. Which is baffling.
1: I think it's baffling, but but then it's not baffling to me. It's baffling, but it's not baffling to me. And i tell you why. I mean, I, 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 I've been doing this, like I say, for a decade now. I've worked with so many players. And when I really started to go, okay, it was one thing working with young players, 17-year-olds, then 21-year-olds, then 23-year-olds. When I started to work with 28-year-olds who were millionaires, who everything's okay and I, I in fact said to these guys you don't need me <laughs> you're doing okay like you you got car and money and you, you, you're you, playing every week at the top you know, they said honestly I think I feel like I've got 30% left in me I'm not I just don't want to finish my career this this player who's never really been at my best mm. and that's when I started to go okay and then you start to work with them you go oh it's all the same stuff and you know can't be open with their coaches can't be honest can't be, and so in lockdown, I was putting together thinking, okay, what is the solution for this long-term? Because there's always talk around mental health in football and nothing's really changing. Um, and I think the only way it's going to change is coach education. So I reached out to a bunch of coaches, friends of mine, ex-teammates, guys who have pro licenses, guys who are managers. guys. And said, guys, what, what? let's go through your pro license. What did you study around um, true emotional intelligence and understanding all your pain as a career, your trauma? you as a player and I dug in and nothing and I went okay so it's a now Rick. so you you cannot and, and I've got a plethora of books here one of them um, understanding and healing emotional uh, trauma by uh, Daniela F. Sheaf and, and she says in there that you cannot access empathy and compassion if you have buried the feelings at that time you if you've separated from them inside your body you can't access them. Mm. So I always think there's this treasure chest that these ex-players and guys sit on this gold treasure chest of experience and wisdom, but they can't access it. Mm. Because to access that, the key to opening it is going back into it. And so I wrote some education. I wrote a seven-week boot camp, and I launched that in January and just currently week three on the, the fourth one of this year get between 10 and 15 coaches on there and we come together on zoom for three hours a week and they do a load of questions 25 questions a week so by the end of it they've done 160 questions but these questions are like module one is fear module two is vulnerability but the the, the 25 questions are really you know they make them look at themselves and there's a period i've seen now in six months of doing this you come on zoom on week two on a thursday night and there's just some really broken faces on there and there's i see their complexion and and I'm all, there's a support group, WhatsApp. So I'm going, okay, guys, anyone need any support during this? Because this is tough. And we get to week three and there's always a shift. Week three is about surrender. And and so the questions are making them go in and just get back in touch with mm. their, their pain and their journey. Mm. Otherwise, it's just, well, I played 600 games. And that's what they all do, with these guys. They're playing 600. What's that mean? Mm. I mean, I, I've got loads of mates who played 600 games. I mean, they couldn't attach with any player's needs. <laughs> Just, yeah. right? it's like, but it used to get said to you in the dressing room, you should listen to your coach. He's played 500 games. We always use the laugh as players. It was like 500 games. It's like this quoted again. It's like this, this holy grail, you get there and you really enlightened. I mean, <laughs> some of the sickest people I know played like 700 games. I mean, it's irrelevant. Mm. So I don't mm. know if that makes sense.
0: Uh, no, it does. Definitely. Um and what you said there about, you know, those three modules, the fear, vulnerability and surrender, like those are three things which I know you talk quite a lot about. But mm. do you think that I guess that you call yourself the fear coach now and you know we all have, especially in our twenties, I think there's a lot of fear surrounding the future because it's the first time we're sort of looking ahead. Um, but I guess from like a playing perspective, do you think that it's possible to move away from fear and still be a really successful athlete. Cause in my mind, like sometimes I use fear to spur me on, like sometimes I'll do an interview with someone and I'm really nervous. And I guess maybe that's not fear. It's sort of in the same remit, but like I need that cause it's like the adrenaline and the, Oh God, this scares me, but I can do it. So I don't, I don't know what your opinion is on that.
1: So I have this thing around healthy and unhealthy fear. Um, hmm healthy fear today i'm in touch with help my health and i'm i'm a fear-based person i am terrified every morning of not fulfilling my potential still now because now i'm a coach like what does that look like for me i know where that goes i let go of the when and where and how i might be 62 before you know it's not but that fear is on me every day the voice, the f- fear is the voice in my head, my ego, which starts talking to me the minute I wake up. You're not going to get there. You're not good enough. Like, he's better than you. Look at that. You know, it, it starts. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's going, okay. And, and, and absolutely, it, drive, it drives me every day. But where I where I separate now is what is unhealthy fear? An unhealthy fear for me is tomorrow looking at tomorrow, looking at later today, I, that's really unhealthy because I've got no control over that. It's unhealthy for me to compare, to compare with anybody else. So there's some really unhealthy traits which mm. are all, you use the word future, like fear lives in the future. It doesn't live here now. it, it It's later. And, and I'm... No one can reinvent this stuff. These wisdoms have been on the planet for thousands of years. They've been repackaged and rehashed, and gurus have come and gone. But it's the same thing that's been around for thousands and thousands of years, That mm. you know, the separation between ego and self. And that's kind of the work I do with people is to make them see what is their ego and what is the truth. Mm. And actually, you remove – they go through a process, process of – Unpacking the ego and surrendering to the ego, which is often you need some suffering to do it. But then they're still left with this drive and this fear. Good. Yeah. Now that's healthy fear. That's yeah. That's going to drive you on. Yeah. So I don't know if that makes sense.
0: No, so. for sure. Yeah. If it's if it's okay with you, I mean, I know mm-hmm. you know, thirty two. You had this emotional breakdown and then went to rehab. rehab.
1: Yeah.
0: I just wanted to ask you to like talk a Please. little bit about mm-hmm. that time.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think uh, you, you know you, you can't escape the truth. It's going to come and get you at some point. You, you can run, you can hide. It's going to. You can't escape the truth. And uh, I think I'd constantly, I'd, I'd never been myself. I'd never been able to have the courage or understand that, uh, believe that I was enough. be So you get to thirty-two. 19 employers in 17 years, but I mean, it's come on. I mean, that was a CV you were handing in your <laughs> a job application. They're probably like, no, I'm not really going to go with you. <laughs> but in football, there's this. Okay. Well, everyone's quick fixes. And if he's not playing well there, we'll get him in on loan because he might fix something ter- temporarily for us. And I was the master at that. I mean, you, you bring me in on loan. It's, like, oh, I'm loved. They want me five goals in five games. No problem. <laughs> and, then, and then it wasn't complacency. I would just feel oh, okay. valued, I'm appreciated, I'm enough. And then I would just get a little soft and all of a sudden, because you've set a bar up here, you'd come crashing. So uh, I think by 32, relegated with Lincoln City from the Football League in their first time in their history. You know, it's a big football club at that level. And, you know, I was probably the most experienced, the top paid player. So I was hammered for that. And I was... I couldn't find my performance level. I was a shadow of a man. But unfortunately, people look at it. Well, we've signed that. It's like he goes out there, he pulls his number nine shirt on, and that's what we get. Well, it doesn't. So, I think I just bottomed, and and that was a dark moment. And remember, in my book, the first chapter is really reliving that moment and leaving the stadium of fans throwing stones at my car and swearing at me. And it's like you drive home and the two-hour journey back to my. I'd left the city a week before because I knew I was moving back and just, I just knew in my heart I was done. Like I was like a punch drunk boxer. No one was going to take me now. There's no, and then, you know, <laughs> I've got a very strong will. So I spent the next year going, okay. And that hurt me for about three weeks. I thought, right, no, I'm going to get super fit again. going to come back again. And and I did. And, you know, with the next season, two or three clubs around the lower level and, it was like the universe was saying, are you going to surrender yet? Are you you still going? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, you know, (laughs) and and of course, I was just nothing. I was going to the pitch and I couldn't deliver anything and I was getting released by, it's quite funny, I was getting released, getting called in and told I wasn't good enough by managers who were six divisions down from the professional leagues. I was just playing then. I just, I was building my business. I was just, and there was just a real rock. And then my wife just said, I cannot be around your energy anymore. I can't be around you. Um, You know, there was a lot of infidelity because I was just so broken. And I, um, yeah, I left the marital home and there was a bag at the door. And that was a moment because I just realized I didn't own anything. It was just like the clothes in this bag. That was it. And I, even my car, I was on lease. So you, (laughs) there was a moment there as I can't run anymore. And I slept in my car for like a week and, because I'm too proud to go and ask to stay at a friend's house and I go to the gym and have a shower. And and then I rang my friend Clark Carlisle through the PFA and just said, I'm in a bad place. And that was when, you know, he introduced me down to sporting chance rehab clinic, which was mm. again, incredible because I went for my assessment there and they have to make very sure that you're not coming in for depression because it costs, it costs them a lot of money for uh, an addiction therapy program for 30 days. And they pay for that. Very blessed. We are as players. And, um, James, the head therapist in his 70s, he'd been there 30 years. He said to me, um, do you know, after his assessment, he said, we start on Monday. This was on the Friday. He said you, You'll be coming Sunday night. I'll sign that off. There's four people at one time. I said, okay. He says, I'm not sure yet. I don't think drink is an issue. Gambling, you've never. Drugs, no. He said, but you, you, you are as sick as any heroin addict I've ever worked with. I've worked with a lot. And wow. I, I was shocked. Right, I didn't know any of this language. I get back in my car and i like, Sick as a heroin addict. What is he? Now I understand. It. It's just emotionally, mm. emotionally sick. You know. Mm.
0: Uh, and you said that you, yeah, you weren't um, addicted to gambling or or drugs, not, but no. it was um, it was winning that you were addicted to.
1: Looking back, winning, addicted to thinking, um, mm. uh, addicted, obsessed, control, fear this cycle addicted to perfectionism which is all linked to fear so and then a, women was one because I think you'd tiger woods with a sex addiction because look if you're an athlete you, oh no drinking is gonna hamper the performance drugs you're gonna get so like okay that, that high the high of and I went to sex and love addicts anonymous it's a very powerful fellowship and it's not it scares the life out you think oh my god sex addiction imagine saying but it's not really about any of that it's it's mm you escape by attaching to another person you can lose yourself in that romantic fantasy or or you i'm okay because i'm valued i'm like she loves me well well, hang on a minute that's not why did you get (laughs) i remember a therapist saying why did you get you for why did you get engaged and i'm like well it was my birthday and I, i had a game that day and i was full of nerves I was 28 and my my girlfriend at the time had put all these notes down the stairs and bought me an, an xbox and and i just thought oh my god like someone loves me I, i've got to get engaged to this person and i remember the therapist she put her glasses down she goes you think that's a healthy um way to and looking back now i mean that's the sickest thing I mean, that's not that's not love That's just complete neediness.
0: Mm, But that's so, it's so true though, because that's, you know, none of us want to be alone. And when we're in our darkest times and we're struggling and we don't have faith in ourselves, we put our value on other people. Mm. You know, it's like that. Oh, tell me that I'm worthy. You know, words of affirmation. Um, it's interesting what you're saying about quitting because I think that in this society we have a very adverse reaction to sort of quit culture. And you, you know, being at that low point and be like, "No, I'm going to come back. I'm going to do it again," and not surrendering. But I think there is a, definitely a certain power in in quitting sometimes, and just being like, "Do you know what? Like, this isn't working. Clearly, you know, I need to change something." But I don't know why that we all view it as such a bad thing to do. You know.
1: Yeah, and, and and what I realise is not everybody's got the same level of drive. And That's mm. fine. That's fine. I mean, I grew up with kids, and they quit easy. And then I've got into the pro game, and, and pros would quit easy. Mm. I just had this. I, I I couldn't, like in a running session, I wouldn't be able to stop six inches before a cone, and and turn and run. I wouldn't. My I wouldn't be able, even if it meant losing. I'd have to get to that cone there's there's a looking now it's it's powerful leadership Mm. tendencies there's this it's a a, you know high high standards and not everyone has those and you know the the guys i have come across our paths of i guess intertwined because they it's relatable they're all very similar very very you know even though they're playing at some elite levels they still look around most of my dressing, the majority just don't care as much as me. Mm. They can they can look in the mirror and it's okay. They, they don't question themselves if they quit today. If they half got to a cone, they can live with that. I can't live with that. I never have been able to live with that. And where do you think that comes from? I think it's who I am at a core level. I think I think I understand who I am today. If I could write down who Drew is, I'm 42. I can do that. You know, I, I'm very sensitive. I'm Extremely compassionate and empathetic. I'm wildly driven. Um, you know, I've got every trait of an addict, addictive, obsessive nature because I'm so driven. Drive is going that way all the time. So it's like, you know, that's an obsessive thing. It's so mm. just centering myself is so vital for me and keeping my energy level because that's going to look after itself. You know?
0: mm. And how do you do that now? I guess like coming, having come, uh, like gone through all of that, how do you hmm. rationalize that obsessive nature?
1: Well, I have a bunch of tools and, and, and I played at them for about eight years and <laughs> I, you know, I'd be really, came out of rehab and I was really strict on this stuff my meditation, my prayer, my gratitude list, my, my going to meetings with other guys and we discuss, I, but then you evolve and I did silent retreats with monks. I've done all kinds of stuff and I, I always look I'm looking at what the very best do and and you know the very best Ronaldo and these people they have a very strict way they put themselves first in their life people are scared by selfishness you know it used to be it's labeled at me a lot I mean my wife called me selfish all the time and I said like I am i, I I'm trying to be better like I'll be there for you and the kids but I have to work hard because it's all about me and but not for monetary gain but driven people are selfish people because you're abs- you're in that thing and it's an ugly word and i have to sometimes bring these broken guys back who are 24 and have lost all their lionness and that strength because they are oh, you're, you're 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 selfish and you're you're aggressive and you're well hang on they're, they're awesome traits if managed so mm. i have a bunch of stuff today i've really nailed it the last two years so i mean this morning i get up at 5 a.m um and I spend between five and seven o'clock because then I need to be in the house for an hour with uh, Helen and the kids and helping out and getting everyone ready before I tend to start about half eight. So yeah, 5am get up, um, either jump on my road bike and head down to the lake, which is about 10 minutes away. And I, I'll run the lake. It's about five Ks. And then I get in and I do about 45 minutes in my shorts in the cold water and I do breathing work and I sit in the lake and, uh, it's quite it's a, you know, People I'm walking by and go, who's that weirdo sitting in the lake? He's quite um <laughs> it's quite secluded. So I, I sit in there and I and I, and I and I and I do my breath work and Vim Hof stuff and I just okay, and I read a couple of apps which are about daily wisdom readings, which I don't look at my phone until 8 30. So I'm um, when I wake after a sleep, for everything that goes in for two and a half hours is positive and everything is mm-hmm. centering myself, grounding everything. Because I've tried to do it the other way and get up get the phone out and it's just for me it's just toxic i can yeah. be in such a bad place really bad place if i do that
0: totally i totally know what you mean i always notice the difference and i um used to just wake up and look at my phone instantly where's the dopamine hits who's messaged me Who, what's going on um and actually turning over to the other side of my bed and doing my journal in the morning i enter the day so much just more grateful and like less bothered about stuff because it's all just out now um so yeah Yeah. I definitely hear that. so
1: important I think there's a huge link between physical and spiritual and remote I think we're all one thing so there's definitely something that happens when you push your body Mm. which I do every day but I'm not I'm not you know running 5k's and posting my times I I try and hang around five minutes a a kilometer and you know and I do my 150 press-ups and do some stuff but there's 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 definitely, we know chemicals are released when we work out. I think, unfortunately, with the Instagram culture, what we've got is people who work out, work out, work out. Six-packs look amazing. Girls look incredible. Boys look incredible. And I'm not sure. I, I, I know for a fact. In fact, there's a real celebrity trainer who's got millions of followers whose brother reached out to me about a month ago and said my brother wanted, he's in a really bad place. Um, wow. I mean, this guy looks incredible. He's stacked. He's, his pictures are why and he's training and he's, he's incredible. Millions of followers gets paid thousands for a post, but this is my point. Like he probably is really disciplined with his food and his, and his, his workout. So people are neglecting the spiritual workout. And, and mm. that's the big, that is the huge part. No one wants to talk about it. No one wants to really delve into it. It's the space I live in it. And it's the real solution. For, yeah. for all the stuff
0: um spiritual workouts love that cool
1: spiritual workouts yeah just <laughs> i'm just i'm just putting them all together we need to package that spiritual <laughs> workout
0: thanks drew we're going to go on to play millennial Mindsweeper now awesome. um our first one is if your reality lives up to your expectations you experience happiness if it doesn't you are depressed
1: if your reality lives up to your... i close my eyes there because I like to feel things. If your reality lives up to your expectation... Um, you experience happiness. Sh- straight away, I thought about that very wise line that I give to people, that expectations are the scaffolding for our resentments.
0: Mm, like so if we
1: set a high expectation, be careful. That's a, that you're going to get resentful and angry and really hard So what I would say to that is, what's the? and by the way, this is exactly what I'm doing with these players because they have huge expectations of themselves. I need to be the best player in this country. I need to... Okay, what are you capable of? I'm capable of that. Let's have a look at your city. Actually, I'm looking at the last fight. Yeah, you have everything to do that. Now we have to let go of all expectancy. No expectation, but loads of expectation today. What does today look like for you? Mm. You've got to max out. That's, that's what it looks like. If it's four hours today, then it's four hours max. Now now we have to surrender and trust that tomorrow will look after itself. So mm. expectations are a dangerous one. I have huge expectations of myself, but I understand today that they will happen. Like, they'll just occur in spite of me, not because of me.
0: <laughs> mm. but that's where the manifesting comes in isn't it and i think this quote i mean this mm. is quite an old uh, it was by william james who is one of the first psychology writers in sort of the 1800s so this dates back a fair while but i think a lot of what he says is true because that is what happiness is it's when we are granted with the expectations that we had it's like plan and reward um yeah. but yeah when those don't pay off but then also then I, that is where I struggle with goal setting because I'm like, I have goals in place, but then my, one of my biggest fears of setting goals in the first place is, but what if I don't reach it? But as you said, you know, if you just focus on today and do all of the things that you need to do, you just have to have faith that it will.
1: Well, this is the piece, right? I mean, I spend years doing goals. I mean, I've got 18 one year calendars over there, big books with my whole career, everything I ate, training sessions you know i was always goal setting because that's the remit you're in sport like what we what what successful people is they set goals and i i get that but you know i <laughs> we, there's no place for there's no place for the spiritual workout then it's like okay well, we're yeah. gonna set this goal and then we're gonna map it out and it's funny because i look at the two business leaders that <laughs> i work exclusively with across their companies you know i they used to be this way when they called me in they were just goals goals and the next year and the quarters and and I, I, all these people with their goals. When COVID came, what, what's your five-year business plan look like? <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, how's that? Going? And I say this just with because we just don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I, I have huge expectancy of myself. I have visions of what I can achieve, and I'm just going to try and max out every day, and trust. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's all we can do love that cool mm. uh our, our second one is the incidence of narcissistic personality disorder is nearly three times as high for people in their twenties as for the generation that's now sixty five or older
1: mm. uh, you know I think I, I there's many of my traits which are narcissistic um <laughs> so <I'm, laughs> I, I've unpacked them and, and watched them now from the fog and oh there's a narcissist uh, <laughs> i'm sure because what is narcissism it's extreme selfishness it's when the self the true self that child I've got children the, that child self has gone and it and, and it's all about it's narcissistic is very based in fear and need and and need 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 and and i, I think uh, yeah i think we live in a, in a world today that creates that um i I think we live in a world today that creates that watching my children grow you see my daughter's nine and you 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 know you you can be the best parent you can you can't stop technology and i don't want to stop technology she wants the youtube channel now she plays a game with her friends and i was talking to a friend about it the other day who's successful in business and he was saying to me yeah but what's wrong with her having a YouTube channel? I was like, he said, if you were to monitor it, if she, she wants to create and play, play roadblocks this game, but she wants to, she's good at it. I think she wants to show people. And I'm thinking, I don't want to stand in the way of that. Cause that, mm. that might be what she does for a living. So I, yeah, I think the narcissistic thing is, is based in fear
0: mm.
1: and yeah. selfishness. Um, but again, it's the finest of lines because every successful person I've met has narcissistic selfish traits. You, so you have go on to. And, yeah. You have to, right? You have to. But I, I think, yeah, I, I think I, I would totally agree with that. I think, mm. you know, the modern world sets that up. Everything's easy. You can get, my mum's generation, she's 73. She couldn't get credit. You don't get credit for TVs and cars and you just, you just didn't have it. Mm. So I think it creates this, you know, world.
0: Yeah, I hear you.
1: Yeah, mm, I think okay.
0: And our and our final one is: the more you complain about your circumstances and situation, the more you'll stay stuck to them. And that's uh, mm. James Smith, the PT. I don't know if you've heard of him.
1: Yeah. Um. Y- yeah, because I, I think the more any complaining is not based in the truth. This is high performance. So I think about coaching, I think if a player came to me, he's moaning, I'm out the team and I don't, they, don't, they don't like me and stop, stop with your dribbling and let's mm. get to the facts. Why are you out the team? Well, you know, let stop. When you play, have you played? You have played this year. Why aren't you still in the team then if you've played? Cause I didn't play well. Why didn't you play well? Well, yeah, stop. <laughs> did you have the courage to be yourself for that 90 minutes or did, well, stop. <laughs> did you have the courage or did fear overwhelm you? And I'm not judging. You. Yeah, actually, I, I played within myself. That's why you're out of the team. So mm. you have to work on fear and courage because, yeah, I, I think if we there's a lot of this self-dishonesty in, in, in moaning, I think. High performance are two words that are greatly used, but it, they're a brutal way of living your life because you constantly have to look in the mirror.
0: Mm. Mm. And what advice would you give to you know a young athlete, be it footballer or or not Oof. coming into the game today what 's the one golden ticket
1: above the body above the technique above the nutrition put learn research, look at the great people and look at their spiritual workouts, dig in the breath work the ice water work the meditation the gratitude list like build this regime and put it before everything because mm. someone very wisely whatever you put before that work be prepared to lose mm. you'll lose your money you'll lose your career you lose your family you put that first you'll manifest abundance but so I, I think yeah that's what i would recommend but it's difficult where do those guys go i mean it's 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 not it's not easy to find what works and what's what's the way best way to do things easy to find a workout we can just go on instagram and see that (laughs) this is true very true oh
0: drew thank you so much for coming on the podcast that was such a great chat and honestly you've dispelled so many fears of mine so thank you
1: oh amazing that's amazing thanks for having me i've enjoyed the chat
0: If you enjoyed this episode, then hit subscribe to be the first to get notified of new episodes dropping every Wednesday. A big shout out to our composer and producer, Pete Half, and a huge thank you to you guys at home for listening. Feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or reach out on Instagram at 20 not something. It's lovely hearing your thoughts on the episode and who you guys are keen to hear from in future. With that in mind, we'll be back next week with another brilliant guest. So stay tuned.